Blog Talk Radio. Come back home to Africa. Come back home 
Diane Cameron Elam. That is performed by, sung by, produced by, shared by, owned by Diane Cameron Elam. And we're so grateful for her royalty copyright. Divine all blessed, peace and love, joy and prosperity, elevation, revelations, manifestation. You are now sitting live with the Divine Prince. And always can archive at your leisure and convenience here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince and also available on youtube.com forward slash um, youtube.com forward slash voodoo tie V O O D O O T Y E. And of course on stream yard. By way of many social media platforms, uh, my Facebook page, my Periscope, by way of Twitter, of course, is also available, and many other avenues that you can connect. But I invite you to click on the link as I've shared it in the chat, and it's also scrolling at the bottom of the screen where you can be a co-host live and in person here on the show and bring your energy and your commentary and, of course, your questions or comments to the forefront. And of course, you can always contact me on my live telephone, listening, call in number by way of Blog Talk Radio at code 845 9143 When you're ready with your question, comment, or request, do press the number one on your telephone keypad. This will alert me that there is a caller in queue. It'll allow me to unmute your mic. And I will be glad to bring you into the conversation. And, of course, if you are in the chat, please type your questions, comments, requests in all capital letters in a way that both myself and my moderators can distinguish so that I can respond to them here in the open uh, StreamYard platform. All is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veil, I am just full today. So many competing energies and topics and commentaries that I want to come at today. But as always, I want to first acknowledge the foundation upon which we all have our very standing, our very being, and that is the ancestors. For indeed, without our ancestors, we wouldn't be present in, in not only our human form, but even in our spirit form, we wouldn't be present without those who preceded us those who seeded life, if you will, here on the planet, into the family lines, into the generations. And it is indeed that which we acknowledge when we say Ifa, when we say Voodoo, when we speak Akan, when we speak Fan, when we speak Edwe, we are giving homage and acknowledgement and honor to those great ancestors, those great mighty people who, who stood before us. We also acknowledge on the ritual calendar of things the warriors and those powers and forces that would, of course, seek to defend and protect us in all our human and earthly endeavors, but also would help us in our crop production, our seed planting, our foundation building as we move forward in our much higher and much more energetic endeavors, which are indeed our spiritual endeavors. 
for my, my new listener, understand, I say it almost once a day, spiritual power, spiritual knowledge lies in its efficacy. Its efficacy. Its ability to produce lasting, reliable, tangible, right here, right now, in this present moment in time space. All else is ego. All else is foolishness. All else is, is commercialism and, and many other isms that we could could throw at it. And we'll have at least an hour or two today to go at it and, and throw at it, um, as you will. I can't ever get up without acknowledging the weather. Who does? Who doesn't at least get up and look outside and breathe the air and look at the sky and, and see how much brightness we are experiencing in a particular time or how much cloudiness you might be experiencing at a particular time. In nature, in nature, I, I say it every day, there is no voodoo without nature. There is no ifa without nature. There is no magic. There is no ritual work. There is no life without nature. So who does not, without first acknowledging and thanking the Most High that you woke up. And of course, your ancestors and the willingness of your own head to move you forward from out of your bed and into your daily routine. But who then does not stop to acknowledge nature? The first thing that you consume at the beginning of your day should be water, should be clear water should be clear water. So even in the acknowledgement of libation, only tutu, but also in internalizing that water, that clean water, that, that life-giving water, so that we can begin to awaken again, renewed, anew, rewaken and rewaken anew each and every day. Each and every day we have an opportunity to start anew, to begin again, to go at it differently, to come at it recharged and refreshed. So who begins their day without acknowledging the weather, without checking nature, without finding out what the conditions are? Or do you wake up and check the traffic? Or do you wake up and check, you know, those things that are going to prevent you or preclude you from tapping into that sort of uh, machinery, nine-to-five life, that many of us exist in, and particularly in the Western world. Uh, many of you are fueled right now by e economics and, and paying the bills and, and, and getting this system of economy back on track. And one of the topics I want to discuss today is relativeness. <laughs> you know, you've heard me talk about the theories of relativity and quantum physics and all that kind of stuff. And I want to just talk about Relativism. You have heard me speak about relative truths versus absolute truths, those things that are, are only as true and as relevant as they show up in your world, as they show up for you personally, as they feed and meet not just your need, but where you are in terms of your awareness or your consciousness of the need. And so relativism is the uh, idea that views are relative to differences in perception 
and consideration. There are a variety of different interpretations of the concept. The major categories of relativism vary in their degree of scope and controversy. Moral relativism, moral relativism, is it, is it moral, is it uh, integrative, is it of the right value relative to the person, place, thing, or scenario? Look at our leaders, look at our politicians, and that's one of the reasons why I want to discuss relativism. Whether we're talking about politics or religion or consciousness or your social media <laughs> talking heads, <laughs> we're, we're again looking at relativism. We, in our spirit evolution, in our spirit maturity, have to be conscious. That's a word, that's a concept that no one under the sound of my voice disputes on the surface level, on the surface level. But, but I say time and time again, if we're not watching what we're eating, what we're drinking, literally what we're taking in, but also figuratively what we're taking in, a degree of our sense of relativism is inbred by our parents, uh, our guardians, those who raised us, our peer group, and, and as you mature, your peer groups become a, a, a little bit more specific. It, it might be your, your work environment or your religious environment, your church community that, that you can tend to feed off in terms of your idea of what truth is, about what truth is. We like to think, particularly in the West, that we're free thinkers and independent and autonomous and, and that our thought process is in no way affected by what your mama might say or your papa might say or your brothers and sisters might say, or, or even the, those of us in the confines of this shared space might say. And indeed, when looking at relativism and the technical definitions of, of relativism, one must be able to first step outside, look at yourself and the equation sort of in third party, and be sure that your own prejudice, your own biases, your own information or lack thereof is not impeding your ability to receive what's in front of you, to perceive what's being presented at any given time and moment. And I appreciate your patience. Some of you know I, I sort of have, like the, the slow build, but then there are others who, who know exactly where I'm going with this. And, and again, we can point it to the weather. We can point it to the politics of the day. We can point it to the, to the, to the religious, religiosity of the day, and which is now demonstrated in, in social media, which is now demonstrated before camera which is now demonstrated in podcasts and in those louder, more aggressive, more visual voices that, that show up for us through this medium that we're all sharing right now each and every day. So again, I, I ask you to question, who do you listen to and why? And why? <laughs> okay. And we have a minute to talk about this, so I invite you to, to call me now at 845-277-9143 when you're ready with your question, comment, or request. Do press that number one on your telephone keypad. 
I will be more than happy to open your mic and bring you into the conversation. Now, moral relativism encompasses the differences in moral judgment among people and cultures. Truth relativism, truth relativism is the doctrine that there are no absolute truths, that truth is always relative in some particular frame of reference, such as a language or a culture, or, or as I stated early, even by experience. Skeptical relativism is that because our perceptions are always relative to some frame of reference, uh, I use the, the earlier example of the frame of reference and first being influenced by your parents, your school teachers, what neighborhood you grew up in, what community you, you grew up in, who your peers each and every day would have been, who, who and what we see mirroring back imagery of ourselves. And I know we, we like to believe we live in the post-racial society, but that becomes much more complex for people of color who are just now seeing imagery of themselves at the mainstream level in pop culture, in, 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 in commercialism, et cetera, but are still seeing it driven often by other people's interpretation of who we are, what we are, what our interests are, what we all believe, et cetera. And I, for one, enjoy uh, Twitter. I, I don't know about you. <laughs> I like Twitter. It's one of the more mature social media sites, in my opinion. Um, Keona, I just opened your mic, mic too, by the way. So maybe I should mute you again. You got some kind of background noise going on. But um, I'll come back to you um, momentarily. Um, but I like Twitter. Twitter is a, a very adult-like platform, in my opinion. Um, yes, you get news there. You get pop culture there. You, you get updates about anything that could be going on anywhere in the world, not just in your own backyard, not just in your own neck of the woods. And my regular listeners have heard me say this time and time again. I don't understand if you're paying for internet, if you have availability to internet. I just don't understand why we aren't using it to communicate particularly in terms of ATR, traditional African-based religious systems. And why do we still acknowledge ATR, traditional African-based religious systems, when the context of much of our attention is on systems that aren't ATR at all, tarot, various forms of psychic reading as they are popular right now, you know, in mainstream culture. Um, I asked myself the question earlier today, why aren't other divinations, for example, being appropriated, being bastardized? Uh, understand there are hundreds of modes of, of divination. You know, I, I can recite at least five right now off the top of my head that you don't see in pop culture at all. You don't see in social media at all. And so in, in, in the frame of reference that I'm coming from, that one might want to create, that one might want to be uh, autonomous, that one might not want to be bothered with 
or, or, or sense the value of initiation or acknowledging the protocols of any particular system, then why hasn't your journey, your, your study, your research taken you into these other non-culturally specific means of, of, of communicating with, with spirit? Now, my regular listeners know, you already know my answer, lazy. It's not easy to do. It, it requires you actually reading something more than something that takes, you know, a day or two to read, more than a book that might have 30 pages in it. You know, it might require your attention to, to something that isn't easily Google searchable, that, that isn't presented in nausea, in our face every day in, in social media. Um, so it, it begs the question, what motivates people in their desire for ATR, in, in their desire for traditional African-based systems? Is it indeed just an extension of uh, pop cultural hunger and thirst and interest and availability? Or is it indeed a journey of self for you? It, it is for me. It began as a journey of self for me. It continues to be a journey of self for me. I saw Yama Van Zandt tweet something similar to that earlier today. The fact that it benefits others and is helpful to others and others find it useful and true and authentic and organic is the added blessing. But we start with where we are. <laughs> and typically that's with a need. Most people come to hoodoo, voodoo, obia, root work, conjure, not as an extension of their desire for lineage or heirs or, or self-discovery or self-inquiry, but for, for some sense of control over something that we might feel we have no control over. And that is what opens up that doorway for me to that slope of appropriation and bastardization and misuse that always, always gets us into trouble. Arrogance always gets us into trouble. Ego always gets us into trouble. The idea that we got it and we understand it and, and, and we need nothing more always opens up the jar of, of, of dark secrets and shadow work that has not been addressed, that has not been confronted. Everyone that's with me, um, if I haven't acknowledged you individually, please forgive me. Um, become the C. Thank you so much, beloved, for being present. Hello to you as well. Um, Latoya, Natural Williams, greetings, beloved. Salutations. Please show respect and acknowledgement to our uh, chat moderator, Keona D. Carter. Greetings, Orisha. Thank you so much for being present. Hola to you as well, beloved. And, of course, anyone that I may not see right away, just give me a chance to scroll up to you. Greetings, Sterling Miller, for being a regular participant and uh, listener here on the show. Um, I welcome your questions, your comments, your requests. I welcome to know where you are in your journey. I welcome to know what you're doing in the course of this, this 
environment that we're now having to recreate ourselves in. It is indeed a new world. We are now in a, in a new time and space. Any any idea of going back to normal is an illusion. Any idea of going back to what was is an illusion. Just as the world has been changed um, irrevocably by other uh, world conditions, pandemics, calamities, uh, weather events, forbid wars, um, and rumors of wars, this too has and will continue to change the reality in which we exist in each and every day. And I threw out a challenge out there to you yesterday. Where are my root workers? Where are my Where are my psychics? Where are my tarot readers? And why are you so quiet, particularly right now in the midst of this battle, in the midst of this storm, in the midst of this weather? Why are you so quiet? This is the opportunity for demonstration. This is indeed the time of demonstration for what you know, what you truly believe, not what we think we know, not what we believe we understand, but what you truly know, what you truly understand, what you truly step in and, and walk in and, 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 and put your, your pants on with every day. This is the time in which now we demonstrate that. And for particularly for people who are working in spirituality, religion, healing, medicine, <laughs> is this not the season? Is this not the season? And, and we're hearing, I am, reports from our doctors and our psychologists and our psychiatrists and, and our woke and aware practitioners and, and spiritualists and healers about the increase in, in stress right now, emotional stress, mental stress, um, spiritual distress, career distress, housing distress that people are, are finding themselves in. And so I find it real curious how quiet this community is um, in terms of really putting action into demonstration about what we say we believe, what we say we know. It's one of the reasons that I continue to do this show, and particularly right now in this season, in this in this weather. Um, right now, I'm, I'm choosing, like many people, not to say, you know, until we can see some light on this. That's a physical condition. But spiritually, who we are and what we're doing and why, and, and to truly seek spiritual realignment. Just because you have high numbers doesn't mean what you're doing is working. <laughs> you know, just because it seems to be popular, you know, in the stream of IG doesn't, doesn't mean that what you're seeing is absolutely working. And so I applaud those who are doing the work right now, um, those who are doing their ancestral work and divination, those who are doing their, their, their shadow work right now in this moment in time space, those who are operating in trends and little meditation and, and creative work right now, uh, and that's showing up in all our artistic and creative and entrepreneurial endeavors, and indeed it's showing up in our lives in, in real in real time, in real time. Um, the day for sort of the, the commercial uh, strong arming of ATR has passed. 
it's it's already over and it's already passed and and that sort of pop cultural burst that we're seeing right now, uh, and particularly in social media, is really sort of an echo of our now moving on to the next thing, uh, moving on to the next level. And I see people, organizations, LLCs, trademarks, brands, maneuvering themselves for this shift, maneuvering themselves to receive you, and, and particularly those who don't want to move forward, just want to be entertained for a moment. And and, and understand, um, man, I don't lose any sleep over it. It's something that I try and warn about. It's something that I, I try and talk about. I try to make sure that people have all the, the appropriate information in which to make a clear um, and concise decision upon. But, but losing sleep over it would be just like losing sleep over 99 cents toothpaste versus $20 toothpaste, you know, people choose what they choose based on their wisdom, based on their knowledge, based on their economy, based on what might be available to them at any point in, in their in their growth, at any point in their journey. Um, my only obligation is to do what the ancestors called me to do. My only obligation is to fulfill that which the most high would have me to fulfill and to reach out to and be available to and to respond to those who who seek out that which comes through me and with me and around me. So I'm not um, I'm not here for the challenge. <laughs> not not in that way. <laughs> not in that way. Greetings, greetings. I see some new people. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, beloved um, D'Amico. Thank you for your advice and for sharing with us. Please ask your questions, your comments, your requests. Thank you, Mr. Martinez, for being on the front line. Yeah, and, and, and that mental health aspect, it is indeed worse than anything because you can have the perfect body. You can be vegan. You can work out you know, twice a day, you know, five, five days a week or whatever it might be. Um, you might be the, the, uh, the most resourced individual in terms of your ability to access, you know, bundles of sage and, and courts and uh, icons and, and statuary. Um, but indeed, if our mental health is not intact, your head is not intact, no Risha can help you, no Loa can help you, no ritual can help you, no amount of magic is going to help you. And operating in that place in denial only opens you up to gin, only opens you up to demons, only opens you up to spirits that you already are complicated with, already, you know, um, congested with. Um, and, it's, and it's an unnecessary detour that many choose choose to take. Many choose to take. Um, it, it, you know, and I'm sure Martha Martinez would agree with me. Um, I start trying to hunt for my words when we talk about mental health. Um, because if we're really talking about health, mental health, sickness, disease, then we show some level of human empathy for that. 
some level of, of human sympathy for that, or at least we should. We don't, in this culture, seek uh, to sort of mock or make fun of uh, people who are struggling, who are in distress, um, who, who are working, you know, through their challenges. We once lived in the days, you know, where we had um, mental health wards and, and, and psych wards and, and, and mental health conditions were seen as crazy and, and lunatic and, and in some cases even uh, demonic or, or, or diabolical in some cases. Uh, and now we have a whole nother degree of education, a whole nother degree of, of knowledge, a whole nother uh, uh, degree of, of medicines and, and remedies that are, are widely available now. But as a spiritualist and an empath and a voodoo practitioner, I also am conscious of the availability of the trap that is, of the trap that is gin. And I'm not talking, I'm using sort of uh, Arabic or, or Christian-based language, but this transcends modern religion. This transcends our sort of relative, more relativity about religion. Um, each generation, each century or so, you know, we shift our, our collective agreement on what religion is or, or, or what God is. Uh, while at the same time, we, we're readjusting our position on what mental health is and how mental health shows up. And one of the houses that have always been open to, available to people suffering with mental health, undiagnosed, unlooked at mental health, but also people who are well aware of and, and are therapeutically addressing and, and working through their mental health is religion spirituality, philosophy, because I know some of you are not religious and you don't go to the mosque, you don't go to the temple, you don't go to the, to the synagogue, uh, but indeed your CNN or your Fox or your, or your uh, conservative Republican um, pill or, or your Democratic um, liberal pill, you know, it, it's just as toxic as any world religion that, that we see operating today. And even in those mindsets, religion is often at, at, the, root, at the root of it. Uh, who would dare say religion is not at the root of, of either platform, whether it be Christian or uh, Democratic or Republican, red or blue? Um, and particularly in a country with, in God we trust, you know, on our money, you know. So Mental health is, is more important now than ever before. And people sort of are worked up about not commentary. People are in their feelings, you know, about what I have to say about the, the spiritual practitioner, the, the wannabe witch, the wannabe reader who is indeed suffering through their own mental health complications and their own life complications. It's not being in, in the best position to administer medicine. And if the roles were reversed, you wouldn't you wouldn't want it to be your your pharmacist. You wouldn't wouldn't want it to be your doctor. You wouldn't want it to be your child teacher or, or caregiver who was indeed operating in the throes of mental health in, in a depressive 
say, but now they're caring for your child every day or for your senior parent every day or, or, or giving you your, your medication across the Walgreens County or, or, you know, the Walmart County every day. It's funny how we, we want to throw out every rule and every protocol when it comes to hoodoo, conjure, root work, or obia. It's okay to throw out the rules when it comes to what's black. It's okay to throw out the rules when it comes to what's African. It's okay to throw out the rules when it comes to what's indigenous. Or at least that's what social media talking heads would have you to believe. <laughs> and I'm clearly not one of them. You know, I, I, I barely got 6,500 followers on Twitter. So I'm clearly not a, a social media uh, influencer or, or, or talking head. You know, in, in no stretch of the imagination. I'm a truth teller. I'm a, I'm a spiritual descendant of, of, of the truth terrorist, the Queen Ifama. <laughs> yes, indeed. So I, I just have to tell it like it is. That's all. Not for popularity. You know, not for the click of the like or the subscribe. You know, if that were the case, I would have 20,000 followers on Twitter, if that were the case. I would be well at the numbers that I should be at in Instagram if that were the case, <laughs> you know? So I'm just going to tell it like it is. You don't have to like it. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to agree. You don't have to operate in it, you know? You still have the option. We talked about choices. You still have the choice. And with that choice, the 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 experience of walking in your truth. And we all have to walk in our trees. Now, now I, I've hit the I've hit the ground too many times. Been homeless too many times. Been on a skid road too many times. Was was a, was a teenage runaway and out there in the streets, you know, at, at the formal formulation of it all, you know. So, I I don't question the the greasiness that me. You can, but I don't question the reason it's a fat meat. And, and certainly if, you know, I, I like this, this season that we're in because not only are we seeing um, more men, you know, with hair on their face right now, but we're also seeing it without any touch-up, without any just for men on it. And some of y'all thought I was 30-something. I know. I know I look cute. And, and I look young, especially when I'm well-shaved and, and wearing my cover girl quote 20. But I didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. I didn't bounce into Kanja yesterday. I didn't just find out about voodoo, you know, five years ago, you know, 10 years ago. And I offer you all all the time, check people's footprints. What were they doing five years ago? Where were they at 10 years ago? What were they talking about on their MySpace? You know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. That's why some of you change up your usernames and your imagery uh, so much and, and so often. Uh, I don't mean people that we know. People that we know can make an adjustment and we still know who they are. Uh, I'm talking about the one who, who, who has one or zero images of themselves on their Instagram. But everything is, is meme and hoodoo with, with a few bloody West African booty pictures mixed in there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and they're feeding 
exactly what you want. Just like your fast food, just like your quickie food, just like your end of the aisle food, they're feeding you exactly what you want. You can't sue McDonald's, you can't sue Burger King, you can't sue, you know, your big box retailers because you only choose to pick what's at the end of the road. You can't sue them for that. We can't get some legally binding contractual agreement that, you know, a produce and healthy choices and options should should be forefront, you know, in other people's stores. And so, therefore, in this world of uh, I, I'm, a, I'm my own God, I'm my own goddess, I'm in control of my own destiny, I can pick and choose what I want. I, I can say and choose whatever I want. Then have at it. Have at it. You know, I, I support the Patriots. You have the absolute right to go out and get the Rona if you want to. You have the right to go home and give it to your family, but you don't have the right to give it to me or mine. And you most certainly don't have the right to operate out in, in public venues. It, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, that just brought back a bad memory I had from yesterday. Um, I had to make a run yesterday. Now, before all the air leaves the room, yes, I had to make a run. Um, if it weren't for that, I, I would have never left the house. And so in doing, um, I was forced to take an Uber. And, you know, Uber is a little, okay. <laughs> now, it was a great ride, um, great guy, um, gave him a tip, gave him his stars. Um, so, so I don't want to look like I'm sort of reading him behind his back. Um, I'm not saying anything now that I didn't say to him on yesterday. Dreadlocks, uh, bruh. Okay, I, I will say that. Um, and, and we see all the time, dreadlocks don't denote consciousness now. A, a head wrap don't denote consciousness now. A kufi, uh, 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 you know, don't denote consciousness now. Just got told y'all, just because I'm wearing a natural don't equal consciousness. It's, your, it's in your demonstration. What comes out your mouth, and, and, and even when your mouth is closed, it's, it's in your demonstration. So this brother ain't got on no mask. No mask. All I'm doing is running to the ATM and back, okay? But bro ain't got on no mask. And you're driving, driving an Uber, which is a confined space, Okay. Now, again, what part of this virus don't like black people, don't y'all understand? It, it doesn't matter what your conspiracy theories are or are not about this. What part of black people are dying in the highest numbers, at the highest rate to this, don't you understand? And I also pre-warned you, foretold that people are going to get bored with the death of our grandmothers and our grandfathers. People are going to get bored with the telling of 50 and over, 60 and over, 70 and over. And so now the journalists and the media have plenty of time on their hands, and, and, and they're pulling up these youths, these teenagers, these 20-year-olds, these 25-year-olds in perfect health with no pre-existing conditions in, in the throes of their life, 
with this virus. I've seen delivery brethren, brethren, and so no one is singled out. I, I don't care, DHL, FedEx, UPS, U.S. Postal Service, riding around with no mask on. Now, listen, if y'all don't understand the purpose of the mask, the purpose of the mask is to keep you in, not to keep other folks out. It's to keep you in. So I wear a mask so that if I were asymptomatic in carrier or if I had the unprivileged fortune of having the virus so that we don't give it to other people, that's the point of wearing the mask. So the notion that I'm not sick, I'm healthy, I'm 29, I'm good. And, and this brother took it a step further. Involuntarily now, he just, he, just, he just got happy and he just went into it. I'm living with my 70-something-year-old mama. I got my baby mama coming and going. I got other people that I've been around. He claimed he went to Haiti. He claimed he went to Mexico. He claimed he'd been to California. I said, wait, 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 bro. In the last 30 days, you've been doing this? In the last three days, you've been doing this. Oh, yeah, bro. Dude, you're a carrier. Back up for me. You, you're a carrier. You know, and of course, he laughed because y'all don't get it. You're a carrier. You're doing all this traveling, state to state. Then left the country, well, not the country, because Hawaii is still the U.S., but you then left the mainland and come back through somebody's airport, from somebody's airplane, and I'm supposed to feel okay about you walking around without a mask on? What is wrong with you people? Seriously, what's wrong with you people? I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's like you have a, a, a death wish. It's like the, it's like the person who, who believes, and that's why I'm picking particularly on my people, because it's my people who say stuff like, well, you got to die of something. My people say that. It's my people who are going to run out to spend a stimulus if it ain't already spent. My people. People who are okay or better, middle class are better, suburban life are better, they not they don't have to run out. They got a storage, storage cabin. I, I told you all a few weeks back, I got family who live in the double wide out in the rural areas of some of these southern states. <laughs> you know, they got whole room size pantries hidden in them double wide. Okay, don't 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 keep looking at it like trailer park living. These people out in the rural area, um, they booted up, suited up, glocked up, and, and stored up. It is you who's going to run out there to the market. It's you who's going to run out there to the corner store. It's you who's going to have to keep running back and forth, you know, for the $5 worth of gas, $20 worth of gas, you know, every three or four days, who's going to be at risk for, if not being a victim, 
being a carrier of this victimizing disease, this, this victimizing virus. So y'all have got to get a clue. I, I, I'm not understanding. And that's why I started off this conversation. Now y'all understand about relativism. Relativism. And, and, and the idea that it's only as true, it's only as relevant to how it affects me. Oh, I know crack gonna kill, crack kills, but that don't apply to me. Oh, I know heroin kills, but that don't apply to me. Oh, I know smoking cigarettes kills, but that don't apply to me. You know, and so now we've transformed that into, first it was this virus ain't, ain't affecting black people. Remember? This, this ain't a black virus. Remember that. Do you remember when that was being said? That was before the numbers came in, 70% in Louisiana, 65% in Illinois. That was before the numbers came in. And so now the numbers are in, and some of you all are mimicking the patriots, by the way, and the Republicans and the conservatives who, who are out there with these flags at these protests, you know, in Michigan and whatnot. Some of you all are mimicking their language. And I've been saying that for years. That's, that's proof for me of Cohen. Y'all often mirror the most extremist white supremacist position. So-called black conscious folks often mirror that position. If you look at the details of the argument, if you look at the constructs of the argument. So now I have brothers and sisters, but mostly brothers, by the way, chest out and arms full and big black and red brothers walking around with no no protection at all, at all, and, and think they good. Oh, well, my immune system is going to fight it all. I mean, brother, list off some herbs to me yesterday. Like I don't know herbalists, you know. <laughs> yesterday I said they list off scriptures like you don't know the Bible. Well, he listed off herbs like I don't know herbs. Like I had never been in the GMC, like I had never been in a a farmer's market or, or a Whole Foods before, as if that matters when we're talking about this virus. That don't matter, okay? It's helpful. It's beneficial. Yes, your ancestors stand up in your genealogy, and they and they can protect us from many things. But, but they can also provide some of the very entryways and with some of the complications show up in us in the first place. Some of y'all have generational asthma, generational. I had never heard of that before the late 80s, the early 90s, generational asthma. I had never heard of that before. Growing up, I, I, I couldn't recount one person who had asthma. Now it's generational, you know, asthma, generational diabetes, generational obesity, generational heart problems. And 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 some of y'all are willing to accept that, you know, but you're not willing to accept generational thinking and believing exactly the way Mama believed, Grandmama believed, Grandpa believed, Great Grandpa believed, even when it's not in your best interest, even when you have proof against it, even when it shows up as a, as a calamity in your life, and, and so this sort of getting on board with you know, what's being said, 
you know, I have a good friend, you know, it's always about what's being said. Because I know she she can't hardly work her cell phone, and I know she's not getting on, on nobody's laptop or desktop, you know, reading into these things. So it's always about what somebody said, you know. And so that's that's a very religious way to look at things, <laughs> you know. You're operating in faith. You're operating in belief. But the majority of, of black folk around you say, or the, or the majority of Hispanic folk around you say, and, and let me make this point. I'm not seeing a whole lot of chatter from the Hispanic community, the Latin community, in this kind of way about this virus. I'm everywhere every day. Oh, wow, I was in a Fon, and I was with Fon and Akan and Ewe um, and Brazil and Honduras just this morning, just this morning, asking questions, what's going on where you live? How's this affecting where you are? You know, and um, I'm not hearing and seeing a lot of foolish memes coming out of the, the Hispanic community uh, about this virus. I'm just not. I'm looking at the news coming out of Jamaica. Um, African-Americans, something, something wrong with us. Something got to be wrong with us, you know, and, and call it PTSD. Some of you all are willing to, but you're not willing to look at mental health. You're not willing to examine, you know, therapy, psychiatry, psychology. You know, you're long past wanting to address religion. So now we want to do this loosely congealed. I mean, this is the soupiest jello I've ever seen you know, of spirituality, you know, and, and, and pick and choose and stuff, you know, and, and a heavy dose of denial in terms of how we look at mental health, how we look at our own, you know, I'm hesitant to say words like crazy because crazy is not the same thing. Some of y'all just crazy. Some of y'all know better. Information is right in your face. You've heard it time and time again, especially, you know, 35 and over, 40 and over, 50 and over. I mean, you know, at that stage in the life, you figure out a strong man, a strong warrior, a strong king, a strong queen figures out what they don't have, figures out what's black, figures out where their weaknesses are, and they seek a fix to that, a repair to that, assistance to that. Sometimes we do it in the choosing of a mate. And so you choose a mate who's a little bit better off than you. <laughs> you know, you choose a mate who handles their resources maybe a little bit better than you. You, you choose a mate that might budget better than you, you know, or, or, or might have the credit goals that you're working towards, might, might be living the lifestyle that you're seeking to grow to. But when it comes down to spirituality and religion, oh, my God, what is the thing that we only want to see what, what look exactly like us? I'm not talking about color. I'm not talking about physicality, per se. I'm talking about we only want to see, and we see it in the meme culture. We only want to see and hear the meme that resonates to our lowest common denominator. I want to know that everybody else is stuck, too. I want to know that everybody else is dark, too. I want to know that everybody else has given up, too. I want to know that everybody else wants 
you know, what they can have too. It's that message as opposed to latching on to the reality that, man, we have the power to, to create and recreate as co-creators. We have the power to manifest that which we truly want, that which is most in line with our best interests, that which is most in line with our destiny. Greetings, um, Aziza73. Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much for being present, everyone. I know I can talk sometimes, especially when y'all ain't answering questions. I start talking. You know, what, what else am I to do? Uh, become the seed. Uh, she says, now thank you for your response. She says many reasons that she remains quiet. Ancestral trauma, indigenous persecution. Also, she is not an elder. How to encourage younger people to be out as practitioners without disrespecting the elders and the ancestors. Um, if you will, beloved, I, I love your question. That's a great question. Um, I would encourage them to follow protocol. I, I, I hesitated because I'm trying to come up with a new, uh, uh, more acceptable way to say that. Um, I would encourage them to follow order. I would encourage them to follow sequence. Though we might have the ability to go left, to go right, to go divergent paths, to mix them up if we want to, I just don't suggest it. I suggest that's actually the long way to getting what you want. My regular listeners have heard me say this before. The shortcut, my mathematicians know this. People who are good in math know this. People who took algebra and calculus and, 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 and college-level math know this. The, the quickest point, the, the quickest route between any two points, straight line. It's a straight line. It's, it's not the crooked line. It's not the soul, what I call the soul journey. The soul, S-O-U-L, journey. The soul journey. It's a person who, now there are very few people who can take a straight path through. There are very few people who can walk through the woods without looking, without investigating, without veering off to the left, without veering off to the right. And the more trees you have, the less obvious that path you're following is spontaneity. I put my finger up because I, I, the ancestors keep pressing me on mental health, OCD, excessive compulsive behaviors. That's mental health, beloved, the, the inability to focus. I hear I can't focus at least 12 times a week. A week, not just in this space, not just in a conversation of, well, I can't meditate because I can't sit still. I can't focus. My mind wanted to this, to that, to to the other. I, I, I got to then get up and do this, or 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 address that. Um, then of course there there are those who use real world. You know, I got kids to look at. I, you know, I got other things going on. But um, to encourage the young practitioner who refuses to do homework, 
how do you encourage a young practitioner who's never been a student? How do you encourage a young practitioner who's never studied, who's never entered class at any point? How? <laughs> how? I encourage them to do the work. And particularly since you interject without disrespecting elders and ancestors. Because this is this outward demonstration is exactly that. It's an overt fact, it's an overt um disconnect to. It's an overt, you know, I don't want to hear, you know, I don't care that you're fifty, I don't care you're sixty, I don't care that you're seventy. You know, I I've read at least a dozen books. And I'm all of 21, and I'm qualified now to read. Read what? Read what? Have you heard me say I was on the street at 12, 13, 14? In the best-case scenario, you're still doing junior high. You're still doing high school. In the best-case scenario, we're not dealing with teen pregnancy, you know, or, 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 or the single-family fam, or, or single-parented household. Or, or the 15-year-old and 16-year-old that are now trying to be parents. In, in the best-case scenario, in the best-case scenario, you want your 15-year-old to still be a child. In the best-case scenario, you want your 18-year-old to still be a virgin when they go off to college. And, and hopefully when they come back, if they're not married, in the best-case scenario. But we, we don't live in the best-case scenario in the world that we live in right now. You know, there's a whole lot of brokenness. There's a whole lot of broken up families and, and tragic backgrounds and, and rape and murder and crime and poverty and, and all this traumatic stuff. And so the idea of elders, oh, my God, many people scratch their head when it comes to that. And, and, and I say this all the time. We're not talking about relatives. We're addressing is necessarily talking about relatives. Now, yeah, we all have elders in our family, your parents, your grandparents, your older aunts, uncles, cousins, the oldest people in your family, okay? But you got older people in your community. You get older people in these traditions, in these systems, authentically operating in these systems that the young practitioner feels that they don't need to hear. They don't need to listen to. Um, and, and we see that um, reflected back to us from pop culture, where you can literally become rich and famous off of almost anything, of, of quality or, or foolishness, in, in just a matter of, of time, if you know how to put it out there. So it's real easy to get 100,000 followers on foolishness today. It's real easy. On, you know, butt sounds and burping and, you know, uh, the, what do you call them, these, these quickie, uh, uh, these challenges, you know, the ice bucket challenge. And, you know, it, it's real easy to get people, oh, man, I can, that's quick, that's simple, it don't take a whole lot of thought. Let me jump out in there. But Beloved, become the seed. When we think about practitioners, let's not just think about spiritual practitioners. That's why earlier on I listed your dentist, your gynecologist, 
your, your, your family health practitioner, do, do you want the 20-year-old, self-made, self-read gynecologist looking at your stuff? I mean, come on, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. Even Doogie Howser, now I know I'm aging myself right now. If you don't know that TV show, Google it, YouTube search Doogie Howser. You know, this young white kid was a genius, was a genius, went through college when many of us were just doing junior high and high school, you know, and, and then went on to intern, you know. But, but we also hear stories in the media of perpetrators. There was a young black perpetrator in, in Florida. It's a true story. Pretended to be a doctor, had the look, had the language for the most part, you know, stole a coat and was in and out of this, this I think, Jacksonville, Florida hospital um, on many occasions without a degree, without a license, without a day in any kind of medical school. And it just speaks to where we are as culture, where we are as society how easily we're influenced by what we see. Some of y'all are so easily influenced by this right here on my face. Some of y'all are so easily influenced by the fact that I have hair on my face. As if I'm not going to go back to CoverGirl 420 and a clean shaven face the first time they I get a gig <laughs> or, or I get booked to do a movie or a TV show. Uh, we are all more than one thing. And so having dreads or having the, the right you know, ethnic look, you know, that feeds into social, pop social culture. That feeds into what looks good in a, in 30 seconds, 15 seconds, in your picture stream on IG. You know, that's, that's the, the point of our attention. It's very few who are researchers. Now, I know it's some in this room, researchers. I'm not going to just see your post and take your word for it. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to go see what other information I can find about that event. Greetings, Kimberly McTall. I'm, I'm going to see what other information is available on what Prince just said. You know, not because I'm trying to then go back and, you know, repost the better post, which is what a lot of folks do, but because we want to be self uh, study to show our self-approved. We want to be self-approved. Indeed, truly self-aware. Um, Kiona, I see your question mark, but I'm not getting it. Or did I miss it? Or did I respond to the question already? Okay, you might be referring to becoming a scene. <clears throat> Very powerful tool for reconnecting with ourselves, with nature, with um, humanity, with our thoughts, with our feelings. So many people are walking through life every day and are just not in touch with their thoughts and, and their feelings at all. Uh, D'Amico, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Um, she says, finding my true path of ancestor work led me to having a strong root anchor and to leave psych meds behind me. I'm not crazy. I'm just more aware than. I, I can agree with your, your statement um, as a relative truth. Um, that's my personal relative truth. Now, 
my absolute truth is um, I confronted mental health um, authentically, organically, without judgment, if that makes sense to you. Um, Understanding that what kid who's tossed out on the street, you know, who has to grow up, you know, figure out where they're going to sleep, where they're going to eat, where they're going to find shelter, um, is not going to have some kind of health, mental health issue. What kid is going to grow up, you know, in a, a, a polygamous-like environment uh, while all the while it's being kept secret and in denial and not have some kind of mental health? Um, and then, of course, there is that whole ancestral element of that which traversed generations, that which passed down through family bloodlines. Um, so I, I confronted mental health from a very direct, very honest, you know, very open-minded perspective. Um, then, of course, the meds got introduced, because at first I was very resistant. And, and all you have to do is say, no, I won't. I'm not interested. Um, and, and they can't force it on you unless you are absolutely violent, harmful to yourself, you know, or, or to other people, am, animals, children, etc. So for many years, um, it was just talking to people. It was just therapy. It was just group therapy or individual therapy or, you know, creative forms, you know, of therapy. It was years before I was even introduced to chemistry. And I was introduced to that by a vegan um, who said, well, what are you eating? What are you drinking every day? Oh, well, you eating that pig and you eating that cow and, and you eating processed foods. And, and in fact, some of you are familiar with um, Adama Alenji out of Atlanta, Georgia. Adama would do her podcast, her weekly podcast. You know, I'm not going to lay it out for you. Uh, unless you know Adama, you already know. And if you don't, you can go find out. Um, and, and part of her layout of her show was what you're eating. What are you eating? What are you drinking? You can call her line and ask a question, a comment, a request, without her asking, what are you eating? What are you drinking? Are you vegan? Are you vegetarian? That, that was often her first question. Are you vegan? Are you vegetarian? What are you taking into your body? So it was through vegans and vegetarians that I was even uh, willing to be open to looking at medication. And no medication is without side effects. No medication. Um, no vitamin. Um, I had a bad reaction to overdosing on vitamin C 30 years ago, thinking I'm going to leave California, I'm going to New York City, it's going to be a dramatic weather change. Well, well, let me gear up. And I took all this vitamin C and, and it exploded my, my lymph nodes. So anything that passes through the hand of man has to be looked at, considered. Your body chemistry, your body makeup has to be considered. Um, I also think people expect it to be a, a quick fix, if you will, a quick repair. So they might try the... Uh, Prozac, or they might try the pack. And then you get, well, I didn't like the way it made me feel. Um, I I didn't adjust well to that. And I start asking the same questions your medical provider will ask. Well, how long, when did you take it? How long did you take it? Oh, well, I took it for a month. 
Oh, well, I took it for two weeks. I mean, no vitamin, no medication. Going from meat eating to, to vegan, it's going to show up in your body in two weeks. It's not going to show up in your body in no month, in, in no two months. You know, it, it takes 90 days or more for any health changes to show up in, in the real world level. Um, sometimes you need other options, you know. So I tried the Wellbutrin and, 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 and the Depakote and, 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 and then tried some other things. Uh, but I also continued to journal, continued to seek therapy, um, took not just um, creative sort of new age-like adjustments to it on my own, Jamika, but, but I was open to involved. And sometimes, um, and I'm not suggesting this is you, I'm just responding to, to your question for a global audience. Um, sometimes we just are trying to filter it through just ourselves, you know, and we're not willing to hear what your mother might be saying about the differences in your behavior or your sibling might be saying about the changes in your behavior. And so sometimes uh, mental health will take people to a place where they cannot see themselves. Uh, we often describe uh, uh, or use as an example body dysmorphia, uh, which is a, a form of mental health wherein a person sees themselves as being bigger than they really are or thinner than they really are. Um, for a great deal of my life, I saw myself as thinner than what I, what I really was. Um, and so um, I struggled with going back and forth, you know, either through what type of clothes you wear or through diet, dietary, you know, changes. So, you know, sort of spirit or psychological um, dysmorphic syndrome would preclude some people from seeing themselves clearly. And so that's a scary place to be with mental health where you're not willing to hear the doctor. You're not willing to hear the nurse. You're not willing to hear your 70-year-old mother. Um, and if you can hear yourself in this um, caller, uh, yes, I'm talking about you. Not you, D'Amico, but, but one of my clients. Um, you're not willing to hear your 70-year-old mother's advice. You claim you've gone to more than one doctor, yet every doctor, not only does she say every doctor um, is not diagnosing her properly, but she goes a step further and says that every doctor she encounters violates her in some way. Um, so, so I know I'm clearly dealing with mental health. Um, and, and so I appreciate your opinion, um, D'Amico. I appreciate um, Martha Martinez's opinion, who, who actually works in um, mental health. So, so to conclude my point, D'Amico, um, I took medication for four years total. Um, enough where I felt I was able to balance out chemically therapists, uh, black female therapists. Um, I, I still saw a, a separate psychiatrist because, you know, the psychiatrist handles the medication. A psychologist handles the mental, emotional stuff. And then the therapist sort of works with you through that every day. And the psychologist decides if you need to see the psychiatrist in order to get the prescription. 
So, so it's all those levels of, of complexity in, in, in the community, people of community, that prevent us from seeking mental health. Um, there's the communal chatter about mental health that precludes ethnic folks, uh, brown and black, you know, and, and, and red and, and, and shade, shaded people from seeking mental health. Um, black folks, for instance, have a, have a general fear of, of the medical profession as a whole. When you look at Tuskegee experiment, that's often told as a reason why we shouldn't trust pharmaceuticals, why we shouldn't trust um, the doctor. Um, there's the whole religion aspect to why we in, in our community are often uh, shut off to um, medication and, and therapy. Um, many people in my community are even shut off to 12-step programs. I mean, there's nothing invasive about the 12-step program, you know, other than you're sharing, you know, a room, you know, with other people who are admitting out in the open that they too are, you know, addicts to something or another. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, not only were the windows, you know, rolling down the windows, but you may not have seen me in some of my previous posts, beloved, but I wear an N95. I wear a cover. I wear an N95 over top of the cover. Then I put another cover on, over top of my N95. And then I have a, a cloth cover made from two short sleeves. You know, take a, a, a T-shirt, a cotton T-shirt, fold in the half, and just cut the sleeves off. That sleeve will fit over my entire head perfectly. And so it'll cover me from here down. And it, and it you know, so it's not allowing anything to sort of, you know, come through. And then, of course, I'm wrapped, and then I'm wearing my Jedi coat, which has a hood on it that I often will pull up over. Uh, but here lately, I'm not wearing the hood because I have the little Chinese uh, fisherman, you know, hat that's got the UV vinyl um, aperture <laughs> to the front of it. So, yeah, I, I, I was covered. I was covered in, in every means possible. Um, and I live less than a mile from the ATM, um, you know. So I didn't spend that much time with this dude, um, but I spent enough time to, to preach. <laughs> I spent enough time to school him and, and, and give him the facts when Martin um, and, and to give him a better understanding of why he should care especially if you are young um, and healthy, why you, should, why you should absolutely care about this virus. Does the Bible in any part have anything to do with um, voodoo? Is Kimberly McTowell's question. Technically, no, not at all, technically. Symbolically, yes, yes. It has everything to do with colonialism. It has everything to do with the, the job of the missionaries <laughs> to sort of demon, demon, de, uh, demonize us and uh, our cultures and traditions um, and then force enslavement uh, and then us having to sort of mask our belief system behind it. Uh, so it is only a relative 
relationship that voodoo has with the Bible. Anyone who's actively operating in not just voodoo, but hoodoo, root work, conjure, santeria, leukomy, and you see that imagery. Um, first of all, you're seeing a manifestation of the voodoo side of the water being recreated, reborn. But then you see a masking that happens behind these uh, symbols and these imagery uh, to include the Bible. I often will quote and, and speak from the Bible, not as a, a quote-unquote Bible believer, but as someone who understands the language of the Bible. And I know that quite often many of you who listen to me understand the Bible and so sometimes it's easier for me to get uh, indigenous ideas and concepts across to people if I use familiar language and familiar symbolism uh, to sort of get that across. You see the Bible being used a lot in conjure, spell work, candle burning. Uh, the Book of Psalms is a real uh, uh, powerful historic footprint in terms of Botanica and their presence, the, the spiritual shops, the, the candle supply stores, the religious book supply stores, and even often in that context, um, ATR and magical practices get blended up with the religious candle supply store or the Catholic church supply store. And so you now see, you know, a diversity of people of of various belief systems going in and out of these places. Um, and so the meanings and the beliefs get sort of mixed and, and hybrids um, are even created. Greetings, beloved. Tibor Buddha. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Um, greetings. I'm not understanding uh, at all what you're saying. <laughs> so if you can give us that back in English, we'd appreciate it. But yeah, um, no, uh, the Bible doesn't have any more to do with voodoo or Ifa um, than English does. But we are forced to pass it through the cipher of English because that's the language that we speak in the New World, you know, and, and even in, in West Africa, English is the, is the national language of Nigeria. Um, and then Yoruba, or the ethnic, the languages that are being used within these religious HER systems. So there's a lot of um, masking going on, um, hiding information behind something that's familiar or widely accepted um, in order to further, you know, keeping what should be authentic together. Uh, and, and we're not seeing that today uh, with the Botanica and, and the sort of online hoodoo, conjure, uh, voodoo uh, experience, and particularly when we look at the Botanica. But let's be clear, a Florida water ain't voodoo. You know, a lot of the statuary and icons that come out of the Botanica is not voodoo. A, a lot of the candle and candle work in the Botanica is not voodoo. A lot of the herbs that are used in voodoo are not found in your botanical. So, so again, they're often feeding pop culture. 
they're often feeding witchcraft. They're often feeding uh, uh, sort of this new gumbo mix of, of how we identify paganism in a modern context. And so that's then being accepted as truth. That's being treated as somehow what's authentic to these practices, what's authentic to these traditions. Listen, I appreciate all the people who are with me on the phone lines at 845-277-9143. I would appreciate your uh, questions or comments, your requests. Press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I will open your mic and bring you into the conversation. Thank you so much, uh, Keona D. Carter, for being reliable and consistent and faithful and friendly and all that kind of good stuff, beloved. Welcome, Keona. Your mic is open. Sorry. Um, No, I was just chiming in. I was just waiting for you to say something, you know, because you were talking about mental health and, you know, I – I think that especially, well, I know in my family, you know, we have it, especially emotional uh, traumas that we experience from not having male figures, and you know, and it's been going on for generations. So I was just waiting for an opening for me just to jump in, but I've, but I've definitely lis- listening to you. There's always an opening for you and everyone. It's always an opening. I'm going to talk if people aren't talking. <laughs> Otherwise, I could move on. I can, I can go and find some. No, no, work. not opening as far as you pausing. I'm saying opening as far as you saying something that's going to trigger me to say something. That's what I mean to clarify. Oh, okay. Thank you, Boo. <laughs> yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Eric, <laughs> Erico 612. Erico 612. Your mic is open. Hi, Sterling. How are y'all doing? All the blessings, Sterling. Speak up for me, beloved. Thank you so much for calling in. Oh. Um, one second. Okay. Um, yes, I was just um, going to say um, how basically I was just thinking about um, like Haiti and how all of the um, like spiritual warfare they went through to gain their independence along with the physical warfare. Um but my question is, was it really as impactful as, like, um, people say, say it was, considering that they are still, um, like, toiled in poverty and such like that? You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, in fact, I, I heard what you said. I heard what you implied. And then you went on and and took it, you know, a step further when you added uh, that last sentence of them still sort of to this day remaining um, in poverty. So I want to approach those aspects of of your question and your statement to some degree. Um, First, I would say it was absolutely impactful. Absolutely. Uh, The Haitian Revolution you may or may not already know, um, was greatly influenced by what is known in, in Haitian Creole as Bois-Cayman. And Bois-Cayman is looked at often as sort of this one ceremony, this one event, voodoo event, that took place and, and sort of kicked off 
the revolution. And that's sort of a misinterpretation of what really happened. Um, we're actually talking about a series of ceremonies, a series of rituals. And, and, and not only that, a mindset that has to be repaired and recreated in order to then make that Black Cayman movement come forward. So what I mean is, you know, you got a few years maybe, uh, maybe, of people gathering. I like to use Congo Square here in, in New Orleans as an example. They didn't feed slaves on Sunday because, you know, we didn't work on Sunday. So unique to New Orleans is the the understanding that we allowed to grow a little crop, plant some beans and greens, you know, you know, in a little plot here in this un, what, what was once unincorporated land, Congo Square. And at the same time, we were allowed to drum because, you know, that drumming could be heard over into the French Quarter, which is where the city was proper during, during that time. So, but we were allowed to gather and drum and dance the bambula and dance the kalenda, you know, and, and do the conga and, and, and all the various ethnic uh, traditions. And so, Sterling, I often say that if we can count in Fon and Edway and Ikbu and Yoruba, you're only now being forced to learn to count in English, Spanish, French, Portuguese, on this side of the water, post-enslavement. Uh, so the Bois Cayman and the voodoo element is more than just rumor. It, it's more than something uh, we use as practitioners to sort of uh, feel good about or, or justify um, the Haitian Revolution and 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 voodoo involvement. When you look at the documents, which I'm trying to pull up while I'm talking to you at the same time, I want to be able to point you point you somewhere other than just um, Wikipedia in terms of gathering real knowledge, real truth about the Haitian Revolution. And I I invite you as well to look at. Um, for instance, library.edu. Now I have to answer my door. So give me a moment, beloved. I, I'm going to come right back. Just, just, just okay. give me a moment. Okay.
thank you kindly, Sterling, and all my listeners and callers um, and viewers for your patience while I respond to the door. Um, so, so what I was trying to say was um, absolutely there would be no liberation, no concept of revolution or liberation based on what we know without the Haitian revolution and, of course, without voodoo. Um, it was voodoo that fueled them, that empowered them, that motivated them. And, and that's not something you can teach in a day. That, that's, I would dare say that's not something you can teach in a year or even a decade. If that was the case, this room would be packed if that were the case. We've been talking openly online about voodoo, Ifa, Akan, West African tradition, since at least the year of Hurricane Katrina. So we know that there had to be a real root, belief, and understanding among the people and those people who were able to sort of escape into the mountain regions um, as maroon, maroon culture. Uh, and, and of course, maroon culture helped to keep the voodoo alive and then elevate it to a place where they then, like Cuba, were able to redevelop an organized system or representation of the voodoo that they retained, that they remembered from before uh, enslavement. So it, it indeed was as important as we make it out to be to the revolution happening. Um, it's even um, in the documents that there would have been a partaking of roots, the partaking of herbs, taking of plants that could have had uh, a, a psychoactive well in within the ceremonies that were being uh, partaken, but also in, in the implements that they carried after Guacayman uh, into the Haitian Revolution. Now, I would also say evidence that it was that powerful would be to point to poverty, would be to look at um, the fact that they have uh, been able to colonize, for, for the most part, the entire Western world, but not Haiti, but not Haiti. And so the question begs to be asked, why? Why can't they dominate Haiti the way they dominate Jamaica or Guyana, you know, or, or Honduras or, or, or many of the other uh, regions, you know, in that, in that domain? So I think, Sterling, um, we have to look back to, to, to the voodoo. Go ahead. Um, I... I noticed, though, that um, France has taxed them um, tremendously. That's why they are... You can't hear me. Um, I I was saying that, um, but it can also be seen that France has taxed them, like leaving them crippled and really unable to recover and become, you know, developed as we would see in the Western world. So wouldn't that show, like, evidence of them still being impacted or, like, colonized yet not colonized? I think it's a matter of interpretation. Mm -hmm. Some people would say I would rather be without than to... Some people would, would suggest I would rather be poor than to sell out my people or my culture 
or, or my tradition just for wealth. I think it's a matter of perception. Um, indeed, they are the poorest nation in, in, in the West. Um, indeed, they paid a price for holding on to and maintaining uh, sort of that, that voodoo presence, that voodoo footprint. But we also see that in, in West Africa. We, we, see, we see poverty in Benin. We see poverty in, in Togo. We see poverty in, in regions of Nigeria and, and Ghana away from the major uh, centers, the major cities, major political centers. We see poverty demonstrated in, in a very similar way there in Haiti. So is it really fair to say, um, is it really fair to say, well, you know, voodoo is keeping them impoverished. Voodoo is keeping uh, America or the West, for that matter, from uh, assisting them or coming to their aid or, or helping to, to elevate them to some degree. And it may very well be the ancestors themselves that are preventing that, that development, that exchange. Um, so I think there's, there's more than one way to look at that. I think there's more than one way to, to perceive that. Uh, we can look at Cuba, for instance, um, where we have a similar dynamic in that you have the enforced Catholicism, but then you had um, sort of an arrangement between Catholicism and the Lokomi that, that happens in Cuba. Uh, that allowed it to develop in a way that um, there's no documentation of that happening in Haiti. Haiti forced voodoo onto the system, forced voodoo onto the colonizer uh, by way of war, as an act of war. Um, Cuba had an arrangement, you know, that, okay, as long as they embrace Catholicism, as long as they baptize each generation into Catholicism and, and learn Catholicism, we allow them to sort of organize. And so we see a similar pattern in, in New Orleans uh, and in the Deep South. And, and if we want to look at economics, Mississippi and, and Louisiana are still the two poorest states in the nation to this day. So, so again, is, is it is it indeed, Sterling, the idea that as long as we hold on to our traditions, as long as you continue to hold on to that African stuff, we're going to block you at every turn. We're going to make you suffer at every turn. And, and indeed, there are those listening right now who are dealing with that battle right now. Do I go against what my family is doing, what my church community is doing? Uh, Jay called in yesterday with that uh, example. Jay, if you don't remember, is a, a, a former minister, and I suggested you can never be a former minister. You're always a minister. You, you might evolve your inner standing. But he was a young minister. He was raised in religion and then became a pastor at a very young age. And now it's growing and developing like we are, Sterling. And so he, he's in conflict, you know, about that. And then how do I address you know, sort of that community. So that white supremacy, that uh, racial bias, that religious bias, that footprint is still very real 
for adherence of voodoo and really any indigenous tradition, even, even till this day. Even if we look at Nigeria, and, and we think, because of Risha Romance, that Ifa is just all out in the open, and Ifa is just what everybody's doing in Nigeria, and, and Ifa must be, you know, popular, and it's not. And it's not. You have a great deal more Christians now in, Ethiopia, in Nigeria. You have a great deal more Muslims now in Nigeria. And so they mask. They mask much like we had to learn to mask here in the West. We did it first or earlier on in the process. And so now it's it, the, the roles, you know, has sort of reversed. And now we can look at West Africa and see religion sort of being reinforced on them through this fervent evangelical movement that has been burning through Africa since about the mid-90s or early 1990s. Uh, and, of course, Islam and, and, and these sort of terroristic events, the, the kidnapping of the Chibok girls and, and the kidnapping of school-age females, forcing them into Islamic marriage and, and Islamic culture. So we still see that battle against voodoo today. And that makes it easier, again, for the perpetrators, the social media talking head root workers and, and root doctors, to, to use that subliminally to further their continued presence. Because they know that people are in fear. They know people are only going to study with so much. They know people are only willing to commit to, to so much. They know people are only willing to, um, to expose themselves, but to so much. And so as long as you can stay in that controlled group, in that controlled environment, it's not much different than how we view religion. Many of us see religion as that controlling tool to keep people in position, societies in position, you know. And so now we're seeing that being done with the more botanical-oriented, commercialized-oriented, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook-oriented, hoodoo and root work practitioners. Okay. So their goal ultimately is to sell a product. Just follow the money, follow the footprint, follow their desire, their motivation. My desire is not for a store. My desire is not to sell you stuff. And, and let me tell you, people smell my incense and they want to buy it. <laughs> Once upon a time, I was a vendor. That's what I did. I dipped incense. I made cones. You know, I prepared resin. You know, once upon a time, that's what I did. Now I'm in the ministry of Buddha, the lifestyle of Buddha, not the selling and reselling products and, and things that sort of mimic what Buddha is. And so I, too, Sterling, have paid a high price, a high price. I think I pay a high price tax-wise. Oh, my God. I pay a high price at, at the uh, uh, cultural level, you know. You would think as African as I am, as black as I am, most black people don't get me. Most people of color don't understand me. I'm not Christian enough. I'm not mainstream enough. I'm not Muslim from a, from a mainstream perspective, you know, enough. So voodoo is still under attack. Voodoo is Voodoo is still being battled, but I would still say yes. It absolutely 
gave value to Haiti and to the Haitian Revolution um, that can't be overlooked. And, and some of the reasons why they are still impoverished today has everything to do with payback, has everything to do with retribution, has everything to do with, well, if you won't surrender, then, then we'll make you suffer. And, and now that shows up as appropriation. If I can't appropriate your, your, your cause, your religion, your tradition, your practice, if I can't sell it, if I can't package it, if I can't brand it for what I want, then it doesn't exist or it's not real or, or it's open now to, to be attacked, you know, um, and, and up for, for debate. So I still will never deny the value of Boozy in assisting Haiti um, and the Haitian Revolution. I will say what Haiti has not mastered is how to navigate, much how to navigate capitalism. Uh, Cuba, whether you know it or not, is, is the wealthiest nation in the West. Cuba. Cuba is the wealthiest nation in the West. Wealthier than oh Brazil, Wealthier than Haiti. Wealthier than Jamaica, Cuba, Cuba. But Cuba has also maintained organized practice. You just can't come in and haphazardly do a research not in Cuba. Too much Sokomi there. Too much Santeria there. Too much authentic Apollo practitioners there. At the community level, it's now at the community level where you just can't do it like that in Cuba. And you can't masquerade it in Haiti either. It's only here in North America where we feel it's okay to appropriate, to bastardize, to copy, to mimic, to steal labels, to steal brands, to steal, you know, uh, uh, dialogue, to steal text. It's, it's only in the West. And I know that's not entirely what your question was, but, but that's at the root of capitalism. That's at the root of, of democracy to some degree. And that's why the Asian world and the Middle Eastern world, you know, there's still parts of the world that resist capitalism, that resist democracy, because they, they, they're looking at it from dual perspective, whereas we want to only look at what, what serves us. My check, my money, my stomach, my bank account, my car, gold, you know, my rim, my Tim, we only want to look at it from a personal perspective. And, and that's hurting us. It's hurting us as a people. It's hurting us as a nation. So, yes, Haiti definitely suffered for their, uh, for their uh, acceptance and, and, and standing up on voodoo. But so, too, does Benin. So, do, so too, does Togo. And so, do people like myself. You know, I'm nowhere near rich, never owned a car, don't own a house. I rent, just like many of you do. I just happen to have a landlord who's deeply invested in the culture, you know, who, who is an active member of the culture. Um, so, so there's a blessing there. Um, and so, no, um, I, I see it as, as, as two birds in the hand and, 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 a, and a bird in the bush. It, it, no, a bird in hand and two birds in a bush, um, Sterling. Yes, they paid a high price in Haiti for for that act of war, which is voodoo. 
That's why I call this show Revolutionary Voodoo. Revolutionary Voodoo. Because indeed, it's an act of revolution just to claim this out loud. Today, it's an act of revolution to not only claim this out loud, but to mean it for real. Now, see, to, to play around with it, whether it's for entertainment, for, for, for Hollywood, for advertisement, for Halloween, that's okay. So the sort of cartoonish reproduction of hoodoo, root work, conjure, voodoo that we're seeing in social media, that's accepted because it, it still says to the subliminal mind, this ain't real, these people ain't real. You know, it's only as good as what they, you know, might want to do with it one minute to the next. But it's not, it's, it's not really the real deal. And so that's still safe to some people. And so that's popular. I mean, my God, Charm was the show back in the day. I'm not talking about Charm, the reboot. I'm, I'm talking about Charm back in the 80s and going into the 90s. Charm was the show back in the day. So the idea, you know, Sabrina the Good Witch, that, that, that's a little bit more recent, but still an old show. You know, Bewitched, we're going back to the 60s now. So the concept of magic and, mag and ritual and, and witchcraft is not new, but, but sort of the idea that we now can um, appropriate it, bastardize it, sit up a little bit and, 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 and do what we want and present that as real, that's a very new and modern concept and in no way revolutionary. In no way mimics the intent of what came in and the Haitian revolution at all. The intent was freedom, was liberation from the system, from the oppressor, from the oppressive government and, and, and regime that was dominating their island and subsequently their culture. And let me remind you, Haiti and Dominican Republic share an island. I know it doesn't sound like it, and we don't talk about it in that way. We often look at Dominicans and Haitians as completely different people, and to some degree they are completely different people. Um, we see Haiti as the dark part of the island. We see Dominican Republic as the lighter shaded part of the island. We see that Santeria and that uh, 12 uh, rows, that 12 divisions is somehow a superior manifestation of, of, of voodoo and Ifa and Yoruba culture than even Haiti, than even Nigeria. And you ask some, some people, they even think it's, it's better than West Africa. <laughs> you know, so we've got to look at racism. We've got to look at white supremacy. We've got to look at capitalism. We've got to look at world system uh, like communism, like um, democracies, like a uh, great republic, you know, and, and how that shows up in the manifestation of, of the voodoo or, or the indigenous practice at, at any point on the globe. Remember, Tibet is still being persecuted by China. We don't see it in the news every day, but the Dalai Lama still can't go back to Tibet without the threat of death or imprisonment. You know, so, so the idea of, of indigenous ways of thinking still being actively uh, warred against, sold out, stamped out, it's just evolved. 
just like COINTEL, Shirley. It's, it's just evolved. It's just evolved. They don't now have to show up with tanks and guns necessarily. Now they sell us stuff. Now they advertise certain products or certain concepts to us. Now they bring cable TV to your community and introduce you to some, you know, popular TV figures, you know, that, that might help to erode our sense of commitment. Um, 412, I'm coming to you next, beloved. That might help to, you know, erode our, our sense of connection to and commitment to nature and indigenous cultures itself. Uh, greetings, Eric Code 412. Welcome, beloved. Your mic is now open. <clears throat> Who's calling and where are you calling from, Eric Code 412? Eric Code 412, is there a bit of a delay? Are you with me? I can't hear you. And I know my mics are working because I heard Kiona and I could hear Sterling. So, Erico 412, are you mic'd? I mean, are you muted? Is there a delay? Are you hearing me on YouTube and, and not realizing your mic is open? But, Erico 412, I'll come back to you um, momentarily. But, yes, Sterling. Um, Indigenous culture is still being fought, not just in Haiti, but, but globally. I think when we look at Ghana, for instance, or Nigeria, for instance, um, in terms of the manifestation of traditional culture and religion and spirituality versus capitalism, global dominance of democracy, global dominance of, of English, um, we see our Nigerian brothers and sisters in particular uh, educating themselves, getting an education, sending their young people away to Europe, to the West, to America, uh, to Asia, to, to get an education, to learn about the system, to learn about, you know, capitalism, to learn about uh, economies and, and world economies, and sort of bring that back. But what they're taking back uh, with them, as long as well as what's being further developed in their natural uh, land is religion. And so we see, um, I know some Nigerians personally here in, in the U.S., doctors, attorneys, well-degreed Nigerians, well-educated uh, individuals, successful, lakefront residing individuals who don't necessarily well, get uh, a beloved Erico 412, I need you to turn your YouTube down because I can hear that in the background. But your mic is open. Do you have a question or a comment? Erico 412? Okay. So I see Hi, yes. I'm so sorry about... Um, oh, why is this... Hello? Yes, beloved. We can hear you. Can you hear me? Why yes, we can hear you. If you're on the phone, I need you to listen to the phone and not YouTube. I'm I'm here. Hello? Yes, Erico 412? Yes, sir. I'm so sorry about that. I was trying to unmute you cuz I muted you, um muted you on my phone, but um I just want 
wanted to say hi to everybody in the U, and I appreciate everything that you're doing and stuff and look forward to working with you in the future and stuff like that. Uh, I've been called a couple of times in the past, and um, I expressed my anonymity, you know what I'm saying, uh, as far as not really wanting to reveal who I am because I know there's other people listening. I'm trying to give, be respectable and not call them out and stuff like that, in which me and you done talked um, in a reading recently. And I appreciate everything that you're doing. It's truth. And it's really helping me mature and understand and understand everything I need to do as far as um, helping my bloodline. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, beloved, and I appreciate your call. Um, and understand, um, you, you can stay with me now. Everyone who's on the phone lines right now, you can stay with me and you'll be able to continue to hear the show. Um, if you have another yes, question sir. or comment, if you have another question or comment, just jump in for me and, and let us know, and I'd be more than happy to respond to you. Yes, Otherwise, definitely I will. Thank you, beloved. Otherwise, the phone is too late to get on phone. Only the people who are already on the phone can, can still uh, call in and, and access me on the Block Talk Radio platform. Um, somebody just unmuted themselves. So, Sterling, Fiona? Yeah, that was me. I had a question. Yeah, go Um, ahead. I wanted to know um, if you were doing readings at all during this time, virtual readings or um, anything, any type of work like that? I mean, I do. Uh, Obviously, I I can't get but so personal. you know, in a live format like this, and in some cases, people don't want me to get that personal. But any readings that I do in this platform um, is obviously going to be recorded and, and will be a permanent part of the record. <laughs> so what is your question? Oh, um, I was just wondering if you were doing reading. <laughs> oh, okay. So I was, yeah. like, private, privately. Oh, absolutely. Um, private readings is, you know, that goes without saying. Um, I'm in the active ministry 24 hours a day. So I'm doing readings at all hours of the day and night. Um, sometimes I don't get any sleep and it shows up on my face. Um, my mom calls me out on having bags sometimes. But um, no, I'm, nothing has changed in terms of uh, work. In fact, work has actually picked up. And so there's so many people now who are doing um, ancestor work and divination who are having their, their heads read and, and are coming into the tradition um, the appropriate way, uh, which is by way of divination. So absolutely, um, I'm doing divination, uh, both on, on air and off air. Um, the more serious reading, the more serious um, requests, I ask people to email me that. Uh, and let me address you and your private business in private. But people who want me to uh, read and answer questions, um, general questions, um, live on air, I I don't have a problem with that at all. In fact, I'm I'm very much open to that. So 
Yes, I'm available uh, for reading, um, especially immediately after the show, depending on availability. I could be booking up from 3 p from 3 p.m. Um, on. So thank you, beloved. Okay. Um, for, for that question. Okay. Um, I I think I will be reaching out to you shortly then. Um, and. And I also had another request um, yesterday on the show. I said, I told everyone that I was a poet and I wanted to share some work um, related to the subject matter that I've been inspired to write. Is that all right? I'm not hearing you. I didn't didn't hear your question. Um, I was wondering if I would be able to share some of my work, just a piece that I've um, been working on for a couple oh, months now. Yeah. Beloved, this, this is a spiritual religion, so. <laughs> now, to me, yes. you know, off air, and if, and if I find it to be relevant, um, I'll consider it for a future broadcast. Okay. All of the blessings. I, when you start writing about voodoo, now, that I'll be interested in. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate you. Please, you all, um, I'm going to move forward momentarily. So hit me with your questions, comments, requests. Those of you who are already on the phone line know that your mics are already open. um, And you can jump in at any time with your questions or comments. Um, I only mute you if it's background noise. the only person right now who has any amount of background noise is Eric Code 254, but they, they don't have their hand raised. But anyone else um, who has previously been unmiked, you're welcome to speak um, as we move forward towards the, the end of the show. I also appreciate your questions and comments in the live chat. But only one person in StreamYard has, has clicked like on the show. I don't know what that's about. What's up with y'all with the likes and the subscribes and the, uh, we here, but we're not going to show any kind of real outward support for you. I, I don't get that. Well, Pony doesn't get it either. We're trying to figure that out. Keona D. Carter says, um, when doing candle work, it's not watching the flame permissible. Um, your question is so direct and literal. I'm just a little bit confused. It's not watching the flame permissible. I mean, anytime you're working with fire, whether it's incense or even your candle work, um, you. Oh. Yeah, bro. So, hold on. Let me get
perspective. But in terms of doing candle work, you have to monitor the flame. You have to monitor the behavior of the candle as it relates to the work that you're doing. There's divination there. And early in the show, I asked the question. I'm coming, James. Give me a second. Early in the show, I asked the question, why is it that we want to borrow from tarot? We want to borrow from astrology to some degree, but that's still very limited in terms of people's knowledge and how that's showing up. Uh, we want to borrow from the Fa and Ifa, but there, there are hundreds of forms of divination, including candlemancy, that people aren't trying to master. Uh, I don't get that. I, I don't. Uh, greetings, um, James Kendall. Hello. So, um, you really believe in voter magic? Absolutely. Is that a serious question? Absolutely. No, I don't believe really in Say that again. I, I don't believe in it because I believe it's all fake. I mean, atheism. Atheism is the reason why, I mean, people should believe in it, but I mean, people that are different religions, I mean. James, James, you're making a really good, I mean, I don't know. You're making a real valid point, but you're breaking up. I mean, oh, my bad. Um, So, like, do you you believe it? Do they make dolls? Like um, sex dolls or dolls in common, and like stab it at persons on some child's place. That's not Buddhist. What you're describing, what you're describing is not Buddhist. What you're you're describing, hold on, and turn your TV down a little bit. What you're what you're describing is not Buddhist. I'm gonna have to mute you because your TV is too loud. Um, I'm shouting over your TV. Um, what you're describing ain't voodoo. And that's why I'm here, beloved. That's why I'm doing this show every day. What you're describing is not voodoo. Sticking pins and dogs and trying to control and manipulate people against their own divine will is not voodoo. And, and, and that activity goes on in other religious traditions, not just voodoo. There are people who believe in God, so they say, who believe in the Bible, so they say, and try to use the book of Psalms, for instance, to control people and to, and to manipulate people and to manipulate events in their life. That's not voodoo. That's not any form of real spirit practice, any spirit walk. Listen to me, James. That's why people keep trying to take voodoo out of the realm of religion and say, well, voodoo is not a religion. It, it, it's magic. When you asked your question, you said voodoo magic. And I heard you clearly, and, and, and my answer is still the same. Do I believe in voodoo magic? Absolutely. But what you're describing is not voodoo. It has an element of magic to it, but not voodoo. Not Buddhist. And, and I agree with you in that when we think of words like magic, we think of words like spell, we're talking about things that are temporary, 
temporal and in some cases are just an illusion of, of something. When I'm talking about results-oriented work, I'm not talking about temporary. I'm not talking about the look of, the temporary feel-good feeling. And that's what you're seeing in Instagram. That's what you're seeing in Twitter. That's what you're seeing in Facebook. That's being misunderstood as voodoo. Voodoo dolls, that's not voodoo. That's magic. And magic crosses over into black magic, white magic, Satanism, manipulative forms of magic. You know, you're talking about magic. And, and, and yes, there, there's a level where that's just illusion, where that's just a look, where that's just smoke and mirrors. But then there's also an element to that that's healing, that's holistic, that's helpful, that's beneficial. And so now we're not talking about magic. We're not talking about witchcraft. I often like to look at childbirth and the idea of Iyami in Europe, in Europe. Iyami is often misrepresented as, as a form of witchcraft. But when you consider the, a woman pushing out a baby, giving birth to babies, that's not witchcraft, that's divine magic. That, that, that spiritual power of the highest order and so, yes, beloved, I believe in voodoo. Absolutely. And, and, and as you worded it, voodoo magic, absolutely. Sometimes you need that the, the temporary fix. You need the temporary repair. Just like medication, it, it's meant to be temporary. Medication is not meant to be permanent. Not really. It's meant to address the problem, issue, complication. To bring some subsidence to the to the symptoms until you can address the real problem, until you can solve the real issue. So I, I, I'm also uh, James James Kendall. I'm also a very left brained practitioner. I'm not so right brained. I'm I'm not about my feelings and emotions and you know, flowers and rainbows and butterflies and, you know, let me fix that magically. You know, let's find a shortcut to you really dealing with life on life's terms. Voodoo is about dealing with life on life's terms. Ebo is about dealing with life on life's terms. Blood is about dealing with life on life's terms. What's that cut that's made? What's that knife that's there's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from that. We're talking about life here when we talk about voodoo in its appropriate context. When we talk about Ifa in its appropriate context, when we talk about a Khan in its appropriate context. What you're describing is, is magic, ritual magic, chaos magic, foolishness magic that modern folk that I've been talking about top of the hour absorbed from the internet, absorbed from Twitter and Instagram, and, and they think it's real. And, and, and then they associate it with voodoo. They associate it with being a Bokur. They associate it with doing obia. And, and that's not what it is. I also like um, another point that I believe Sterling was trying to make early on and never got to really address, and that is, in the context of Haitian Revolution and enslavement, prior to 
before I came in. That coming together for voodoo wasn't about dark magic, wasn't about controlling master, wasn't about let's force master to go against his will, which is to enslave us and to get him to do something else. That, that's not what the voodoo was about. Wakama was about self-empowerment, how we see ourselves, how we view ourselves, our ability to operate in life, on life's terms, ourselves, with the aid of our ancestors, with the aid of our practices and, and our traditions that, that now have been labeled voodoo through Western language usage. Because voodoo wasn't even a word, really before Portuguese, before the French, before, you know, the Spanish, before the invaders came aboard. People identified by way of their ancestors and their ancestral names, by way of the ethnic names, by way of the cultural names and traditions. Voodoo in itself is a new word. I don't care if you spell it with U's or O's. It's still a new word in the context of things. You know, it's still a new word. Egypt didn't use the word voodoo, but we know that the origins of voodoo, the roots of voodoo, as we now know it, traveled that that middle passage, meaning through the desert from East Africa into West Africa. Just like the Yoruba ancestral lineage comes from East Africa into West Africa. So we know that ritualized magical practice that we saw in Kemet, in Mesopotamia, you know, was the root to what we are now generalizing mm. and, and have tagged as voodoo here in the West. So what you just described, and I wish you had to stay with me because I liked your question. Um, that was a good question. <laughs> However, I'm, I'm kind of um, a shocked how a lot of people want to question um, ATR and in question if it's real and in question all the other paths, but yet you can't go to no grave site in the Bible. You can't trace back. You can't physically go. And then for you to believe that the death or the crucifixion of one man saved the entire world, and you can believe that when you can't go and even see the tombstone that was rolled back, when you can't go and see no traces in the world, in the earth, mm-hmm. if anybody, if any spirit has touched this earth, there's traces. If the man touched the moon, there's a trace. But then you want to question another path? That doesn't make sense to me. And listen, I, I hear you, and, and, and some people heard it just the way you did. So, so I appreciate your response. But, but just in fairness, just to keep the conversation going, I, I didn't hear what he said like that. In fact, I never got a chance because he hung up too soon. Um, what was his belief system? He didn't really say. Uh, now, th- there might be some Christian overtone to it in that we're all raised in the West. So even if your parents never went to church, even if you ain't never participated in, in the religion of Christianity, if you were born and raised in America, it's all over you, whether you acknowledge it or not. It's built into the system. But, so we didn't get a chance to ask that. James didn't give me a chance to ask what he believed or didn't believe. Um, all he got a chance to say was he didn't believe voodoo. And I think I heard him say, but he was breaking up a little bit, that 
He didn't really believe in any of the spiritual practices. And Keona, did he say religion? Did he include all religions in that? See, I missed yeah. that part. Okay, it, it was staticky. So, so I get that. He may very well be an atheist. And, and I respect his position to be an atheist. It doesn't mean I have to be an atheist any more than you have to be a believer in Buddhism. So I appreciate your questions. I wish people would, like you would have the sort of the, the dexterity to call in more often with those kind of comments. I appreciate that. Um, I believe voodoo, trust voodoo from a knowledge perspective, not from a faith perspective. So, so what you described, you know, sticking the pins in the doll, you know, to make she on the leg swell up or something. That that's Hollywood movies, like like Keith Smith said. That's Hollywood movies. That's entertainment. That's our imagination. And whoever, I know this is gonna be controversial, but, but whoever wrote those great books use a great deal of entertainment. They they use the element of entertainment that would have been present in the culture of that day, of that time. And so these stories and these legends of, of great events. Travel. Oh, he did say he was an atheist. Thank you, um, Keisha Smith. That's why I need all of y'all to help me to hear, because I got to do too much. I, I wasn't sure about that, because the connection wasn't good. But um, Keisha Smith said that he did say he was an atheist. Okay, so I, I can I can appreciate that platform. But as I was trying to explain, um, I talk about science too much on this show, James. I don't know if you're a first-time listener, but I invite you to listen a little bit more often. I talk about science way too much. I talk about astronomy way too much. I talk about chemistry way too much, mineralogy way too much. I talk about archaeology and history way too much. For you to just hear magic when you hear me talk about Google, the very science that's operating your computer out of this very magic, <laughs> that binary system that controls our computer comes straight out of voodoo divination, directly out of voodoo divination. So there's science to what I'm saying, Jenny. You know, atheists, if they don't believe spirit, you're supposed to believe science, right? You believe math, right? What does an atheist who does not believe there's a higher power you didn't give us a chance to ask you that. What do you then believe? Math? Because voodoo is based in math, built on math. <laughs> okay? So so what then are, are you looking at? My connection to ancestors is based in science. Not just hoodoo, science. Science says ancestral memory survives the blood. So something exists beyond life or death. Something now, I didn't call it God for your benefit, James, but something exists, something. Otherwise, what is the ancestral memory that's surviving? And if, and if science can sort of detect ancestral memory, it's not just generations before, but animal memory from, from when we were more animal than not. Insect memory from, when, from the parts of our, our makeup that were once just insect-like. All of that sets up in that scientifically documentable ancestral memory. 
we just don't know with clarity yet how much of that is extraterrestrial. Might come from another world. So you and I agree on a lot, James. You just you left the room too soon. <laughs> you and I have a lot in common, whether you realize it or not. But my belief in I wanted to follow up on that. Go ahead, um, Sterling. I just need you to speak up. Oh. Okay, I wanted to follow up with the um, we can't question. Hear um, okay, one second. So I was wondering if you had any resources that you that that's hanging off your ear. I need you to put the mouthpiece in front of your mouth. Or are okay. you using a One handset? Second. I'm using my headphones. Let me. Um... I can I can tell. <laughs> and when you move, oh, I can hear it better now. Yeah, I can hear you a little bit better. Just just speak up so we can hear you. So okay, I was wondering if you had any research or um, any books, um, suggestions regarding um, the levels of. Um, and where ancestors go, depending on um, how they live their life, what element would they be? You know, I, I didn't I hear. I, I heard you say. Um, I, listen to me. I'm using my Yana Van Zandt word. What I believe I heard you say was, "Could I talk about some book?" Then the technology broke up, so I didn't hear what was in the middle. And then I heard you in with ancestors, so I'm not clear on what you said. Okay, I was wondering um, if you could give us some of your knowledge or recommend and or recommend a book um, that discusses like where ancestors go um, after they passed on and transitioned. Um, um, I, yeah, can, I can no. talk for you for you at a later point. Um, there's none that resonate with me right now off the top of my head. And for some reason, the books that are coming to my head right now, like Alice Walker, for instance, we consider her more of a, you know, a dramatic writer, a creative writer, um, not necessarily research-oriented or, 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 or documenting cultural nuances about heaven. Um, so that's why I say um, I need like 24 hours or for you to send me an email and, and give me the opportunity to sort of go through my library um, and, and address that. Another way you can look at it on is to just like you would research creation stories, creation stories for the Turkana, creation stories for the Yoruba, Creation stories for the for the uh, uh, Mawa people. You you got to know. I've said this on the show before. Specific specific ethnic names, and then seek afterlife stories of the Yoruba, afterlife stories of the Igbo. Um, it's going to be a lot of work. You have to do what I'm suggesting. I need time to do, and that's to go through and sort of pull those passages out of books that might already exist. I can't think on the top of my head of any serious books that address that issue like right out. 
Mm-hmm. I, I just can't. I, I can think of autobiographies that reference it. I can think of spirituality and religion and cultural books that reference it so it might be a paragraph or a page. But right now, I can't pull out a book. Not right now. But but I'd be willing to come back at it if you, if you give me time. The email that will make it um, much less likely that I will forget <laughs> to, to address that question. Come on now, y'all. Keisha's calling y'all out. It's too many of y'all. Uh, Aziz are calling y'all out. It's too many of y'all listening to me for y'all not to have questions, for y'all not to participate, not to be a part of the show. And, and it pushes me to say shady things because <laughs> I know it's a great deal of y'all that you don't care about me at all for what I'm saying at all. And you're waiting on the opportunity to try and then use this information on your own platform to do your thing. And, and, and that's okay. That's okay. Just keep it real. At least James kept it real. At least James kept it 100. Y'all are just kind of sneaking around the podcast every day. And, and I just don't understand it. Uh, listen, some of y'all have been around for over a decade that I've been doing this. I never talk about this. There's people like Keith Smith and Keona that's out loud. Because they are now sitting in a room, and they're saying it, and they're saying it out loud. What's wrong with y'all? What are y'all really doing? And why are you really here? Seriously. Because the stuff that I've seen on Instagram, oh, my God, it's just foolishness. Stuff I've seen on Twitter, it is foolishness. Foolishness. Y'all still talking about burning fake money to the ancestors. One of my godchildren sent me a photograph. I'm not going to call your name. You sent me a photograph with that fake money underneath that candle on your ancestor's office. And I never said a word. Never said a word about it. Never mentioned it. Okay. Are y'all really willing to be that gullible? Seriously. I shared a post on my Facebook page, I don't know, maybe three hours ago, where a West African same question. What's up with the fake money spot, the extra money that y'all are burning, and all the trickery that's 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 being masqueraded as voodoo? Those are the same that's, people that gave two dollars in the offering plate and got mad to say the church wouldn't help them, or gave two dollars in the offering plate at church and then praise to God for a car or a house. Those are the same people that have the same mentality. Right. That's right. That's right. It's not just that you gave it $2 and expected a miracle. You gave it $2 and didn't change your life and expected a miracle. <laughs> you gave it $2 and didn't do nothing about what was going on inside you. Because it's real easy, you know, humanity is fallible. I say it all the time. <clears throat> so it's real easy to find a problem in any group or organization. We can find a problem in the church. We can find a problem in the FOI. We can find a problem in all the mosques. We can find a problem in all the school systems. If you were looking for a problem, we can find a problem. We can find a problem in all our world governments. I don't care if they're communist, Republican, uh, Republic, Democratic. I, I don't care. If you're looking for a problem, you can find one. 
That is the nature of humanity. That, that is the nature of living within the confines of earth law. So finding a problem is easy to do. It's easy to do. Doing the work, it, that's where the problem comes in. It's doing the work. Addressing who you are. Are you a part of the problem? Are you a problem of, part of the fix? Are you a part of the repair? Are you a part of the solution? Those are the questions that we need to now start asking ourselves. Come on, y'all. It's 2.30. Hit me with your questions, your comments, your requests. I got several people online, I'm very impressed, who actually have my mic open, um, who are welcome to come in with your questions or comments. I'm also inviting those who are still online, on the phone lines, who have not spoken, to come on in with your questions, comments. And of course, if you're in the chat, type your questions, comments, requests, in all capital letters, please, and seeing what I need to respond to. And of course, if I miss it, Kiona will make sure that I acknowledge it. Otherwise, I'm going to keep on moving. Uh, Keisha, you said you can't understand me on the phone. You on the phone? I'm confused by your Oh, uh, let's see. I got too much dead air going on. Excuse so me. Excuse Please, me. you don't have to say excuse oh. me. Just come on in. Just come on okay, in. I was wondering, you had mentioned something about um, it being like slightly naive to um, put ancestor money on your altar slash payment. Is that? I'm sorry. Um, to I'm sorry to interject. Uh, Sterling, you're an artist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Please express yourself because you're on a live broadcast and we want to hear you. Your concerns are valid. Your points are valid, but you have to speak up and project your voice so we can hear you clearly. Please. Okay. Um, I was wondering um, why you thought it was foolish to burn ancestor money or to have it on your altar. Because it ain't real. You might, you might as well go open up your Monopoly box if you still got one and pull that money out and burn that to the angel. What's the difference? It's not real. It's not real. And why would we burn money, particularly to the ancestors? What, what, what would that serve? It doesn't make any sense. It's not real. It's only created to feed the Internet. <laughs> Before the Internet, that ancestor money didn't exist. Some, I saw somebody post yesterday that astrology and tarot card reading existed before social media. Absolutely. But everybody wasn't trying to do it. Everybody wasn't claiming they were an expert in it. Everybody wasn't setting up a, a, a page overnight claiming mastery over a, 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 a global tradition that's been around for hundreds of years. That wasn't happening before social media. So social uh, burning ancestor money didn't exist before three years ago, four years ago. Well, wasn't nobody burning ancestor money on MySpace? Wasn't nobody burning ancestor money on Yahoo 360? Sterling, I'm talking about time periods now. I'm going back to 2005. You didn't see that because it, it, it didn't exist. It wasn't real. And they're only doing it now to fuel Western interest. Western interest. 
See, because of the internet, a Nigerian don't have to come to the U.S. now. If they're savvy and they have a device, a smartphone, or they can go still go to the cafe, they can see us just like we can see each other. They hear our conversations. They see our foolishness in Instagram and Twitter. And we often ignore them, too, by the way, because the modern media has, has created this fear and anxiety between Americans and Westerners communicating with foreigners, quote-unquote foreigners. You know, you're either going to get robbed. You're either going to get defrauded. You know, it's going to be a fake love romance so that they can steal all your money. You know, so they created sort of this barrier to our communicating with people in other countries. And that's why I strongly suggest that people use a Skype, use your various accounts, your, your, your social media accounts, WhatsApp, to talk to people in other countries and, and get some idea of what's real or not real. So they're seeing us, they see our desperation for connection, they see people's desperation to want to operate in, in the realm of research. And so now they're introducing things that are, are, are similar to how uh, marketers and advertisers market toothpaste, actually. A market why this brand of chicken is better than that brand of chicken. And this brand of chicken might only have more water injected in it or less water injected in it than the next chicken. That might be the only difference in the chicken. Okay, so one chicken might be fed rice and another chicken might be fed grain or whatever. But what's really the difference? Branding is often about personalizing it. I, I, it can't just be their bag or the coach bag. It's got to be my bag. And then I got to put my name in. So, 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 so marketers, particularly like these overnight botanicals, are really just utilizing warehouses that are already in establishment, you know, and, 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 are, and are stocking their virtual store with these floor washes and, and, and Indio sprays and, and, and fake ancestral money and, 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 and uh, Florida water because they, they know that you all believe that this voodoo, this, this, and this is no different than the Bible. Remember the Bible question? And I said the Bible was just symbolic. It, it's a language now that's been superimposed over the voodoo. In Africa, we would have used grain alcohol. Really, grain alcohol with, with, with the right herbs mixed in. But, but we ain't got time for that. We don't have the knowledge for that. So, oh, wow, I can buy that for a couple of bucks, and, you know, and, and now I'm in it. And so that's how ancestor money got into the game, Sterling. Ancestor money is not real. It's not real. Even if you look at it from an ancient Egyptian perspective, they didn't stock the storehouses full of, of supplies that the soul would need on the other life and then set it ablaze. That they needed that stuff intact. They even strove to keep body itself intact with the understanding that it could be reanimated in the other world, on the other side. So where's the root to burning ancestral money? That's more Chinese than it is African. We can look at China. We can look at Buddhism. We can look at Hinduism and see the burning. They are the experts in incense. 
incense and, and paper and parchment and the use of usages of that. And so they have symbolic fragrances and, and perfumes and, and whatnot that they then incinerate along with the body. They incinerate the body in India. Okay? So ancestral money, it ain't real. It's not real. I can create my own. And I'm, I'm scared to do so right here, right now, because somebody going to do it, and y'all are going to pay for it, you know? Um, I, I don't even want to throw out ideas. I remember I, I burning ancestor money. I remember burning ancestor money. And I remember making a business investment, and the business investment had went down south. And so I was so desperate to get back, and everything that I had worked for, I was losing. And okay, I watched me when, lose it. I watched me. So, so if you could, hold on. I'm saying not, not, I mean, it's like a few years ago. And maybe like two, two, three years ago, 2016. And nothing was really changing. I mean, faithfully. I remember at one point I went into Chinatown and I bought a lot of it, different sizes. And I even sat with a cauldron and burned it in my car. I mean, I was crazy because I just felt like it will work. And nothing changed. Nothing changed until I really started focusing in on my ancestors, until I started really working with real material. You know, something as simple as me putting a cinnamon, you know, on my work, using real material. So it didn't, it didn't change anything for me. So for the people that are saying that it changed for them, I want to know how and when because I didn't see any changes. I don't know anyone who's ever had any changes, to be quite frank. And the people that I see sort of presenting it as if it's really working for them, um, they're not attached to any of the cultural nuances associated with, with the products that are even being used. Personally, I went down in Chinatown and bought it. I, I heard you. I just said that. <laughs> you know? that it, it sounds like the closest thing that I can imagine is, is, is something from Asia. Because I've never actually seen the Ancestral Money close-up. I've just seen it in YouTube videos and whatnot. Because it don't really exist in West Africa. That's, that's, a new, that's a new thing. And often the idea of breaking things, incinerating things, is to cleanse, purge, remove. You know, the question is asked about uh, breaking ties. Um, I could address that better for you um, personally because I need more details, uh, Sky. Um, don't bother I me. Mean, they want to sell this ancestor money for ten to fifteen dollars. Well, you go to Chinatown and you could buy it for a dollar. Why not burn real money? If it's that real and, and it's doing so much for you, why not burn real money? Because it don't make any sense. <laughs> it don't make any sense. Now listen, I have put real money in certain products. Real money. Not ancestral money, real money. And I swear by those products. I swear by those ritual products. But it's not just the money. It's, it's, it's the association of the practice that goes along with it. And yes, intent plays a high role. Intent plays a great role in, in, in the pharmaceutical industry. The placebo plays a great role. 
The placebo is utilized to determine real or not from a scientific perspective. So if you want to test something out, if you want to test out whatever they're trying to concoct, you know, for this coronavirus, they need to test it on a large subject uh, subject group of people, okay? But no one knows whether they actually have the problem. So there's then going to be that, that placebo group that all they got was a placebo. But we, we want to compare your your symptoms to the symptoms of those who actually took the real drug. And they never tell anybody who took what. So there is a placebo effect to magic. And that's why my response to James was, okay, yeah, that's magic. But that don't call it voodoo. Don't call it ATR. That's not indigenous. You know, you're describing witchcraft. You're describing conjure magic. You're describing um, um, chaos magic. You know, you're not describing anything from a, a cultural, ethno, religious perspective, if you will. Um, yeah, synchronicity is another thing that um, I would need more specific details about. Uh, because you're also going into your own natural symbology, um, how symbols show up for you, what they mean, um, become the seed. Um, so if you're not keeping a journal, if you're not documenting the uh, opportunities when the occurrences, when you're seeing certain numbers, certain sequences, it makes it a little bit more difficult to personalize that um, to you. So if you want to contact me off the air and send me an email, um, I'll be more than happy to address that more specifically. Erico254, welcome to the conversation. 254. Greetings. Who, greetings. Who's Jay White again. And I just, I had a comment as you were talking about the ancestral money burning. Um, and I think a lot of people get into that for the same reason, like when you look at Christianity, you have people that market, you know, blessed oils that are going to cure you or special cloths that are going to cure you. And I think when it comes down to it, it's so many people are desperate. And they're desperate for any help. And they're looking for any answers. And I think that's a lot why we're falling into these, you know, um, kind of sideshow acts. Well, hold on, Jay. There's there's a line to be drawn. And with you, you know, I know who you are, and I know you have that a similar religious background as as I do. there's still the question whether we're talking about religion or voodoo. There's still the idea of the shortcut, the quick fix. So, uh, you know, the Franken chip guy, what's his name? Corny Thomas, Kearney Thomas, what's his name? Who hosts to be on TV late at night, especially on like BET and other platforms, and he's offering the Franken chip. You know, the, yeah. the praise over Franken chip that now has. You know, the Holy Spirit on. Now, now in voodoo, we might call that ashe. We, we might call that energy. But it's still being marketed 
primarily to the to the TV viewer, the person not coming to his church, or maybe he don't have right. And so this person is just sitting at home and wants to connect with spirit or connect with God or connect with the blessing without leaving their house or or without doing a whole lot of work or without joining something. Another way we can look at it is health and fitness. So you don't want to go to the gym. You don't have to change what you, you know, this, this magic, you know, water, magic water every day. You know, and the and the pounds will just melt away. You know, and people want that. So I, I agree with you. People are desperate. People are hungry. And but people I was also say, um, too quick to take the shortcut. Um, top of that, like that's what was like my second part. Of my comment was going to be that's why I admire and just love your soul so much because you stress the importance of doing your own work. Uh, I've gone through the whole plethora of the uh, the kind of esoteric community, yeah. and so very few people will say, do your work. And, mm-hmm. like, for me, ancestry work was an option I didn't think was available to me because I was an orphan. But just having, like, Listen to you talk about it. I went on Ancestry, and I signed up, and I found relatives that I never thought I would have. But you have to, like, in any spiritual practice, do your own work, and I think that's the disconnect is because it's being marketed like voodoo is something you're going to learn overnight or even Wicca or anything is something you're going to learn overnight. And there's such a shortage of people like you who give out real information. And by the time a lot of us find you, we've gone through the whole plethora, you know? And And, so it's this. And, Jay, Jay, it's promoted at us. All you got to do is turn your radio on. All you have to do is get in your car. Within 30 seconds, within a minute, it's a road sign. It's an advertisement. All you have to do is turn your TV on, you know, every commercial. Now, for those of you who are saying right now, well, I don't have a TV. You got Internet. It's a commercial on almost every page on the Internet unless you got ad blockers or you're paying to block them. So the message is subliminal. Everything is quick and easy. You gain weight overnight, lose weight overnight. Get a bigger butt overnight, get bigger boobs overnight, increase your memory overnight, increase your stamina overnight, regain your youth overnight. It's in a pill, it's in a bottle, it's in a program. And wait, this is brand new. This is all improved. You know, this now is better than what we offered you just a week ago. You know, and, and so the idea that nothing takes effort is being pushed at us. Everything around us in this culture screams nothing comes with effort. I mean, everything comes without effort. When we look at people right now, I'm not talking about 100 years ago. I'm talking about right now in the rural area, in Zill, in Mississippi, in, in Australia, who still are using the outhouse who still have to 
strangle the neck of the chicken, they going to eat. Now, I don't care whether you're big and a vegetarian, but most of you are completely disconnected from where your food comes. And so the idea that you got to actually get up and, and prepare a fire to boil the water, to, then to catch your, your bird or your meat, and then to skin it or pluck it and then cook it and then prepare it, our society ain't vibrant. We got microwaves now. I don't. I haven't owned a microwave in, I don't know, at least 10 years. I don't know. It's, it's been a long time since I owned a microwave. But just the idea of cooking from scratch. How many of you cook from scratch? I do. How, how many of you cook your greens and add your salt meat and season your food and, and make your cornbread from scratch? Very few people. You got box mix. You got, oh, you got uh, uh, what is it, um, TV dinners, which have evolved over the decades, by the way. You know, and so now you get, they're called entrees and lean cuisine. And, you know, nobody does anything from scratch anymore. Many of you know that I'm a masking carnal, black carnival Indian. We have to sew. <laughs> we have to sew. That, that has to be beaded and sequenced. By hand, by hand, you you can't rush sequence, you can't rush beating, so you have to do it a year out, two years out in order to make your deadline. People don't live where they have to do anything, except punch out. You you do within the confines of your job, your cubicle. You know until four o'clock, five o'clock, three o'clock, whatever whatever your your Timeout time is, and, and then you compartmentalize back, back to quote unquote real life. But then you, you're going through the drive-through, you're going through the fast food, you're running into Walmart to pick up pre-processed, pre-packaged. So even our young people are disconnected from what takes work, what takes effort. I grew up in a generation of people becoming overnight success. At least it looks like an overnight success. If I can play basketball, if I can rhyme and hit a beat, you know, I, I can get instant success. And so your TV, your advertising, your marketing reinforces that. And it's not always intentional. You know, we like to think that our gadgets and our technology come to support life and to make life easier for us so that we have more time to do the things that matter like spend time with your family, your loved ones, or, or improve your skills or, or your education or, or somewhat. So we're disconnected from the work. We're disconnected from how your food gets to the grocery store. We're disconnected from the idea of having to heat your own house, chop wood and, and put it in the fireplace. And, you know, we're disconnected. All we have to do is flip a switch, take a pill. You know, the Abyssinians, Abyssinians have a reggae song that I love called 1995. All you got to do is put that 1995 in the mail, and, and, and in a few weeks, we'll ship it to you. We'll ship that new booty to you. We'll ship that new look to you. We'll, we'll ship that, that slimmer waistline to you, and all you have to do is pay attention to it for, you know, five or 15 minutes out of your day, and you're going to get the most perfected results. Why wouldn't people think religion works that way? 
Why wouldn't people think magic works that way? And then television and entertainment reinforces the reality of it. They make it look so real. They make it look so authentic. Harry Potter looks really, really authentic in the movie. You know, it reads well in the book, you know, but how much does it really translate into what happens at the real world end of things for us? Each and every day. Yeah, I grew up in one of those churches, uh, Brother White, for sure. My pastor would ask for the money. Come yeah. running with your $500 check and, and see how God will bless you. And they would come running with the $500 check. And, we'll and come right back. now you have, like, a lot of people falling away from the church and they looking and they desperate kind of for that same feeling of somebody to tell them what to do that you got in church versus now you're out in this whole different world and you're looking how to navigate. And so I can understand the quick fix, you know what I'm saying? Because you spent like 30, 20, 40, however many years in a system that you get to the end of and you're like, okay, well, now I'm switching over to something else. And sometimes it's easy to fall into that trap, you know? Yes, I know. That's been my experience. I want my new listeners to understand I came at this the hard way, <laughs> just like you. The school of hard knocks, the get up and the, the fall down and the get up, making mistakes, bumping my head. Uh, spending time, spending effort, spending money. That's how I came to this level of clarity in my journey. By doing the work. There is no way around the work. No way. I don't care how snazzy, how quick, how cute. There's no way around doing the work. There's no way. So we, we must stop falling for the illusion. We must stop giving in to the delusion. We must stop giving it to the idea that, you know, all I need is, is, is a dollar, 99 cents, the shortcut, and I'm going to get these lasting, reliable, tangible, permanent, lifelong results that many people are seeking, are, are really seeking. Um, I'm running out of time. I really appreciate everyone, Jay White and Sterling and uh, Kiona and uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, who are all with me on the phone line who actually had questions and comments. James, I really appreciate you. I invite you to call back more often. I actually like um, uh, your question and, and your line of questioning. You're kind of left brain, just like me. You call yourself an atheist, but I'm I'm still a believer, but I'm a left brain believer. <laughs> Thank you all for being present with me for three hours out of your I'm, I'm honored by it, truly. You could be doing anything else, but you choose to be here with me at this time. And so I'm truly grateful. And, and I look forward to connecting here with you again for another powerful revolutionary hoodoo, New Orleans hoodoo secrets and recipes. On Blog Talk Radio, StreamYard, YouTube.com, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope. I'm just grateful. All this a blessing. Congo Square. The Omus Indians 
the Omus Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival, Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated, and as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s,